As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to Rates and Barrels. It is Wednesday, July 26th. Derek Van Riper here at the Enoceris. On this episode, we have another top prospect getting the call to the big leagues. Marco Luciano headed to San Francisco. We're going to talk about more players to watch in the upper levels of the minor leagues and the players who are not necessarily prospects that stand to benefit with the trade deadline just around the corner. There are tons of depth charts for us to dig into, so we're going to try and get through as many of those as we can on this episode. Other stuff planned in case we get through it faster than expected, but I think this is one of those days, you know, where the rundown is about three times longer than it needs to be. (laughs) I mean, this is, uh, other than the waiver uh, Friday episode, this is one of the last times that we can talk to you all about stuff before the deadline you know in terms of what you could do to anticipate the deadline i think you know that's something that you can almost go team by team so you know those third and fourth and fifth items on the rundown i'm not sure we're getting to them no those will probably roll over into next week but we begin today with marco luciano interesting prospect a guy that i was really excited about when the Giants signed him as an international free agent several years back and when you look at this Giants team, they could be pretty active at the deadline. There's a lot of moving parts on this roster, but they've been doing a pretty good job in their minor league system this season, having guys take some steps forward. With Luciano, a lot of it's just been health because he had a back injury last year. I think he had a minor leg injury that cost him some time as well. The age-to-level context of his minor league performance helps his case quite a bit. There is a lot of swing and miss in his profile right now. But how much of a playing time share do you expect the Giants to give Luciano right out of the box with this quick promotion out of AAA Sacramento? Well, I don't know. I mean, the big thing was that last night in the game, they chose not to use David VR, a righty, knowing that the opposing team had a lefty reliever ready to go. They put in Mike Yastrzemski and against the lefty, the Giants have the second worst uh lefty on lefty splits in the big leagues 
Uh, partially because I think they were built to keep those lefties from ever seeing lefties. And yet this year, they also have a lot of lefty-on-lefty plate appearances because you've got Michael Conforto, Mike Yastrzemski, Jock Peterson, got a lot of players that you can't necessarily platoon them all. So anyway, long story short, instead of putting David Villar in, they put in Mike Yastrzemski. It worked. Mike Yastrzemski hit a double uh, off a lefty, and that lefty was Sam Mole and lefties were hitting 190 again so it just wasn't a high probability thing so the minute i saw that they weren't even using david vr in that situation i thought david vr is not long for this roster and that's the corresponding move but it also is meaningful for casey schmidt a right-hander that's been playing shortstop but not uh and playing shortstop capably defensively but not uh not being a real asset offensively um, you've got the team leaders on the team uh, in home runs are Wilmer Flores and J.D. Davis with 13 home runs. And you got Marco Luciano hitting uh, three balls, 110 plus uh, last night in his AAA game. So uh, I have to think that as a right-hander, he could leapfrog Casey Schmidt pretty quickly and at the very least be someone who plays third and short against or, or short against righties, even with uh, uh, Brandon Crawford healthy. And Brandon Crawford is still uh, at least uh, three, four days out. And even when Brandon Crawford comes back, it's not uh, he's not such an offensive force that uh, if Marco Luciano gets going, that he can't sort of uh, stave him off. So Casey Schmidt will stay on the roster because he's a good defensive player that can play short and third. But Marco Luciano could leapfrog him pretty quickly and become the right-handed uh, infielder on that left side of the infield, right? That's how I see it. I, I think the interesting thing with Luciano is that they haven't really moved him around at all defensively. He's been a shortstop at every single yeah, level. Yeah, Schmidt is more likely to to be able to to move around. Like Schmidt has played third and short, so he's more like the defensive replacement as I see it right now. Yeah, I, I bailed on the David Fletcher comp pretty quickly after I made it when Casey Schmidt got called up. He had that amazing first week. He hit a ball harder, I think, in his first week than David Fletcher has in his, t- his entire career. So the, the comp also, adjustment was fair, but he has not hit. He's got a, a bad approach right now. He's way too aggressive with pitches outside the zone. Yeah, and he, and he, and he doesn't make as much contact as I thought he would. So I think he's got work to do. And uh, that's why in my piece uh, today, I gave the Giants Tim Anderson... Um, I think calling up Marco Luciano uh, before the trade deadline, it's only five days, but it does give you a sense that the Giants might be looking at Marco Luciano instead of trading for Tim Anderson or Paul DeYoung. Uh, because ideally at short and center, where I think the Giants are you know, hurting the most, you just you want youth there. They're better at defense. You don't really want a 20 nine 30 year old like paul DeYoung and tim anderson are not going to play shortstop for that much longer yeah i think that's uh, definitely a concern i think with the way the way luciano adds this power element to this lineup he'll be a tough player to figure out from a free agent bidding perspective if you see him sticking i think there's a chance he becomes immediately relevant down to 12 team mixed leagues i think that's at least a possibility but the range of outcomes is really wide with that deadline, just under and, a week and with away. being dependent on power. Like you, like it's not like even if you're waiting till Sunday and you're like, oh well, I have I have five days where I'll get knowledge. What if he just doesn't hit a homer those five days and then on Monday hits 
you know, two homers right before the deadline. <laughs> that would be uh, extra fun because he'd be a bargain this weekend and then maybe he would be securing his job next week. It seems like it's a very yeah, right. day-to-day situation. <laughs> I, I think it, it could be interesting in sort of 15 teamers to have at least a make good bid on him, you know, at least a sort of, uh, you know, at least put one uh, percent on him yeah a one to two percent minimum seems like an appropriate thing but we'll see how he settles in here in these next few days and he'll probably come up on our waiver episode on friday as well let's take a look here at some deadline related opportunities we're going to speculate depth chart to depth chart well we could do this any way we want we want to start at the bottom of the al and, and work our way out of there i mean i guess that's one way to do it the the team that we've been talking about for weeks across all of our shows that's not even at the actual bottom of the American League is the White Sox because they have the most players that could be on the move if they decide to go down to the the likes of Tim Anderson or possibly making a bigger trade where Eloy goes somewhere. They've got a whole bunch of guys in the bullpen, Joe Kelly, Kendall Graveman, a bunch Osmani of guys Grandal that go. is one of the few catchers I think that could be moved because he's on an expiring deal. He's a veteran that you know has good defense. I think it's a little bit problematic to acquire a catcher, you know, um, in on August first, and expect that catcher to know your team well and call, came and frame well and and call games well. So I I, I don't know that a, a frontline catcher will get traded. Yeah, you look at a guy like Elvis Andrews, maybe he gets moved and becomes a bench guy for someone else, but. Playing time should be up for grabs with the White Sox. One of their problems has been organizational depth in the last, I don't know, half decade plus. So my question would be, like, is there anybody who's been blocked or in a partial role that you actually like with the White Sox with the possibility of them getting a bigger role, at least for the final two months of the season? I mean, Sevi Zavala probably is only a two-catcher league guy when Grandal is hurt right now maybe he becomes two catcher league relevant the rest of the way just because the playing time share would be so large post trade but is anybody else that you actually like from a tools perspective that you think could stabilize yeah and Sebi's striking out 39% of the time projected to strike out 35% of the time so he's you know uh your prototypical 200 hitting catcher with some pop I don't I don't know that uh, I'm super excited about that. Uh, Jake Berger has been playing his way into uh, regular time already. I think he's owned in probably the leagues he's supposed to be owned in already at this point. Um, And yeah, it's nice that he has 21 homers uh, and he does hit the ball super hard, but uh, he also has a 33% strikeout rate, so he's not probably a great uh, 12-teamer type. Um, You know, if he can... You know, cut that strikeout rate some uh, and give you a, a 230, 240, 250 batting average of power here on out in an everyday role. Uh, yeah, probably 12 team, um, uh, 12 team relevant. Zach Remyard is uh, a guy who's been playing some, but he's 29 years old. Um, and so even when you look at 2022 at, at AAA and say, oh, he's 11% better than league average, well, he's 28 years old. It's already, you're already sort of taking uh, WRC plus away from him at that point. Um, and so I, I see a guy that makes some contact, but does not hit the ball hard. And, um, I, I don't think he'd be an asset in most leagues, uh, unless you're really desperate for steals, he might steal some bags. 
Uh, Romy Gonzalez, 26-year-old right-handed uh, second baseman who, for his career, is has a 61 WRC plus and a 36% strikeout rate against a 2% walk rate. I, I, I don't know, man. I, don't, I mean, Oscar Colas has already been playing his way into regular. I like Gavin Sheets a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Gavin Sheets might be the most exciting guy out of all of these. Yes, Gavin Sheets. That's the name I'm gonna I'm gonna put forth for people. It's at least a, a bat first sort of player. If uh, Gavin Sheets does get that opportunity, but it, again, speaks to some of the problems with the White Sox. I imagine they're looking for near major league ready or major league ready players back in the returns for a lot of the guys they're going to move. So the solution might be in the trade itself in many of these instances. We did gloss over one thing with the White Sox. That's pretty important. The bullpen. Yeah. Yeah, the problem the bullpen, I think, is that they could move so many relievers that I think your best bet is to actually look at someone who has several years of club control left and decide based on club control that they're the least likely to get dealt. So does that leave us with Gregory Santos as the the closer for the White Sox post deadline? Yeah, I mean, you're going to you're going to hear this a couple times. So my my general rubric is just uh rank by stuff plus and look at holds because holds are super important. They tell you about usage and and what the manager who the manager trusts. And in terms of stuff plus, good stuff plus, and uh, holds, you've got Joe Kelly, Ronaldo Lopez, Gregory Santos, and Kenyon Middleton. Kenyon Middleton, free agent. Ronaldo Lopez, free agent. Joe Kelly, possible free agent. There's an option there. So uh, Santos is the guy that uh, is most likely to stay around and um, you know could get the closer role. The other one is Joe Kelly. Um, uh, and Kendall Graveman, who has been getting saves, uh, also free agent to be. So, um, you know, I think uh, I like Santos and uh, Kelly a little bit. The other guy in that mix, because he had a long-term deal, would be Aaron Bummer. He's not pitched well so far this year, but he signed a very team-friendly deal a few years back. Still has one more guaranteed season on that, plus two club options. So I'd keep an eye on him as well. But I think you're looking long-term there because all of those other relievers you named make sense for contending clubs. There's really no reason for the White Sox to hold on to any of those guys. And even with Kelly's club option, he's pitched for enough contenders where I would imagine there's plenty of interest. Yeah, maybe get a little bit more for him than the other guys because the other team can say, well, we have him for next year too. Yeah, and there might yeah might be some uh, bundling going on there too for teams that want multiple relievers back from the White Sox. As far as the Royals go, we'll stay in the bullpen for a moment. I've thought Carlos Hernandez should get a bigger role on this Kansas City club all season. It hasn't happened yet. Maybe it happens at the deadline. I can't imagine Scott Barlow is still a Royal after the deadline. Is there anybody else in this bullpen that we should be keeping our eyes on? I like Jose Quas. Uh, he's basically uh, one of the guys. If it's not Carlos, um, I think what'll actually end up happening is that Carlos Hernandez becomes the closer, and Quas is the setup guy. Um, and that's that's fine from a, a stuff plus standpoint. That's fine. Uh, I think that's where Carlos Hernandez was headed uh, ever since we saw that he had the best uh, stuff in that rotation and absolutely no idea uh, where the ball was going. It made sense to, you know, shorten his appearances and just ask him to throw even harder. And he's thrived in that role. Honestly, he's one of the best, I think probably the best SP slash RP uh, in the game right now. 
uh, other than maybe Matt Brash. And, uh, you know, so I think he's, uh, he's headed for that uh, reliever role. And he might even keep that SP designation for next year uh, because he was an opener for a while. So uh, kind of a sneaky, uh, important designation for some uh, leagues. And if you, you know, check your rules and you realize that he will be SP eligible next year as well, uh, might make him a keeper in some leagues, uh, you know, because uh, or might make him extra interesting to get a closer you can slot in on your sp days when you don't have a starter in there um so uh, i think it's probably carlos hernandez but jose quas deserves a mention it's probably fair to say that if the royals were to deal starters away that whoever they're backfilling with isn't going to be all that interesting given the trouble (laughs) they have had getting high quality pitching to the big leagues so i don't think we have to spend a lot of time in that group I, i still like john heasley a little bit but uh He's got eight appearances in the big leagues and no starts. 9.2 innings, nine and two-thirds innings in eight appearances. Um, I don't know. I, I think it, like he might be on his way out from being a reliever, uh, from being a starter, especially since when he was starting in AAA, he had a seven ERA. So maybe he's least following Carlos Nandez, uh, which is too bad because they are really struggling for making starters over there. You look at the position player group, and as far as guys that play a lot that seem even somewhat likely to move, I guess Salvador Perez is the guy that you'd look at and say, well, he's a little more of a DH than a catcher at this stage, but that's about it. Everybody else is younger and probably part of their longer-term plan. Am I missing anybody who would make an impact? Perez is... um, is under control under team control to 2026 right he's got that uh, longer term deal at like 20 ish million per year so for for a mostly dh i mean again i'm not trying to completely write off how much he can catch he's 33 and he's had a really heavy workload behind the plate for his career i don't know he, he's the face of the franchise right now i think bobby witt jr is kind of taking that over but if you think about royals teams from the past decade sal perez is that common thread so It'd be a strange player to see playing somewhere else. Yeah, it would be strange. I think Felix Fermin, there's some aspects to his line that are not prototypical for a catcher. And if you squint hard enough, you could see uh, an interesting catcher here because an offensive catcher here because, you know, something's changed from contact wise and he's he's had been up and down contact wise but this year 16 percent strikeout rate for felix fermin in triple a and 22 in the major leagues that's good for a catcher that's really good for a catcher and 11 percent barrel rate and a 40 percent hard hit and a 107 max ev like all these things um you know on another on like a, a dh or corner outfielder would be a little bit less exciting but you put those all on a catcher and those are pretty exciting, actually. So Felix Fermin is somebody that I, I, I'd jump on in any two-catcher league if I the minute I heard Sal Perez was, was uh, traded. Yeah, and they've been catching Sal more than I expected. Six of his last seven starts actually have been behind the plate, just one as a DH. But if uh, if Freddie Fermin gets a chance to play more, I'm with you. I think the skills are oh, actually really been good. calling him Felix? It's yeah. Freddie. Yeah, Freddie Fermin. Sorry. That's okay. It's... Uh, my son's name is Felix. It's, it's okay. It's just, <laughs> it's just always in my head. <laughs> Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Should we close the book on the AL Central and knock out the Tigers here real quick? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know that uh, the Guardians are, are. You know, if the Guardians do something, I think it'll be kind of surprising. You know, it will, it'll be something where they're actually trading, uh, maybe even a young pitcher or a pitcher with team control for a hitter with team control. You know. Uh, it'll be it'll be something surprising. I don't think they don't have any sort of expiring veterans that are really that are really obvious. They want to trade. They're not in a place uh, where it is really obvious what they should do. Twenty percent plant chance of playoffs, but in second place <laughs> mm-hmm. is a very strange combination. And I'm sure they're well aware of both of those things. So I doubt they're gonna they're not gonna buy uh, an expensive uh, you know player at the deadline. I doubt unless. It's somebody they have under team control for a while and changes the the makeup of their team. They could sell Ahmed Rosario um, and try to do it in some weird buying and selling combination. If they sell Ahmed Rosario, is there somebody you like? Gabriel Arias, Tyler Freeman, Brian Rocchio? I think it's Rocchio. I think that would be the path for Rocchio to get a regular opportunity. He's logged almost He's almost a 550 plate appearances now at AAA. It's speed over power. I think it's a good hit tool. I don't know if he's ever going to be great in terms of what he does for home runs, but I think he could be pretty good across the board because he controls the zone well. Could be Rosario-esque. I mean, yeah. that, that might be on the upper end for his power, but in terms of like the kind of output that Rosario has been putting up for fantasy, Rokio could get close. Yeah. Absolutely. So I think those are the the things you're looking at with the Guardians, just moves that are playing the middle, but still trying to keep them in the mix, of course, for this year. My knock on the Tigers all season has been that they don't have a lot in terms of rentals to move away. I don't think anyone's trading for Javier Baez. Still lots of time left on that contract. I mean, you could look at guys like Andy Abanez or Zach McKinstry, maybe even Matt Vierling, even though there's years of control left on players like that, you get an offer you like for those like guys, you can trade them. older types. I mean, Abanez is 30. Yeah. And McKinstry is 28. So, you know, are they going to be there for the next great Tigers team? And, and could their versatility, both of them are of our versatile players, could their versatility be useful for somewhere else? I would, would say that one argument against it is, that the GM for the Tigers has in his provenance, like in in terms of in his upbringing, <laughs> as you want to you want to say, the Giants, and the Giants don't seem to compare care too much about five years away from now and four years away from now. They seem to care a little bit more about versatility 
And can these guys help next year? Right? If you think about how they've run their team, then that sort of uh, fits with like the Wilmer Flores two year deal. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. they don't care that Wilmer Flores is getting sold slower and older and not as good defensively. Can he be helpful to us? And is he worth more than what we're paying him next year? And so I think Andy Ibanez and Zach McKinstry may actually stay in Detroit because they are versatile, just like all those Giants players. And yes, they're older, but they're still cheap. So I could see both of those guys staying in, in Detroit. But they also don't block players like Colt Keith or Justin Henry Malloy and some of the prospects because they're the versatile. Of the year. Yeah, they can just because move you around can just and move them somewhere else. Play four or five times a week instead of six or seven, and you're a little better off in the long run because your depth is solid based on the way you're built. Maybe bullpen arms could go if they trade Alex Lang. Is there someone else you like on that list of relievers to emerge as a, a fill-in closer? Um. Lang is not the most delectable uh, sort of team control arm. I, I just, I don't see like, I don't know that I would give up a ton. I mean, he's awful location plus, 85 location plus for Lang, right, you know, recently. And that's in the last 14 days. So that's a small sample. Let me see what the full season is on him. Uh, 89. So it's pretty awful command for him, and that, that will turn some teams off. Uh, like, for example, the Giants care a lot about bull, uh, reliever command. Um, so I don't know that Alex Lang will go anywhere, but if he does, I suppose I'd like Jason Foley. He's the guy they've been using. Four holds. And the stuff plus is all right. So that's Jason Foley's the backup plan there. Um, also, uh, for the Tigers... I did have Michael Lorenzen joining the Astros and Eduardo Rodriguez has been uh, rumored in a fair amount of deals. I would say that like, I still think this uh, Scott Bush, this GM is going to try and turn this team around fairly quickly. And Eduardo Rodriguez is under contract for like another three years or something. Although there's a, there's a little bit of an opt out situation. Like after this season, he has an opt out, which really makes. But I, I kind of think he won't necessarily do it because I mean, yes, he's he's pitching well now. It's it'll be interesting. In fact, I just don't think he'll be traded. And I think it's more likely almost that they just nail down that extension with him. Well, so uh, if he if he doesn't, they opt need to out, have some veteran starters. You know, even if they trade Lorenzen, like they have Rodriguez, Manning, and Scooble, and Olson, maybe and Fido. Is that enough to be like, oh, we'll just trade Rodriguez? Fido would be the winner if they did because he doesn't have a spot right now. But I, I, with Rodriguez, it's forty nine million over the next three seasons from twenty twenty four to twenty twenty six. If he doesn't he could opt probably out, do better than that. He could do better than that. Is he getting a fourth year and getting maybe a little more on an average annual? Is he getting four for eighty if he opts out? I mean, I think yeah, I, could, I think he reprised uh, the deal that he signed five and seventy one. Like I think he could do like a four and eighty or something now. So. Right. So I, I think he's he's pitched just well enough to test it. He's not he's not going to do worse than the three and forty seven that's left on three and forty nine that's left on there be really interesting to to know what happened last year oh yeah there's that that's a big part of it too i mean that's you know whether or not inside the league teams know about that or whether they will know more about that it's hard to say and also just what his feelings are about how they handled it or not like right. if he if he has ill will towards the tigers for that situation then he's opting out and he's gone 
Right. Or if it's the opposite, if he's happy with if how he they felt handled like it, they helped him. If yeah. they supported the situation, which again, we don't know a lot about it because it was very yeah. vague, very personal issue that kept Eduardo Rodriguez away. That could be a factor as well. So I, I don't know how active they'll be. They'll probably make some moves. I think I Lorenzen is gone. Lorenzen is gone. They, you know, they. I, I just think he's he's gone. So I think Fido will move into the, into rotation, and he's okay. But I, I I'm not sure that. I'm rushing to to add him other than like, you know, it does give you another person that you could stream in Detroit, which is a good place to, to pitch people. Yeah. The bullpen guy that I'm sort of intrigued by, he's just back from an arm injury recently, is uh, Bo Brisky. Throws a little harder mm-hmm. out of the pen, throws like 96. It's more fastball change Popping up than in the slider. model out of the pen for sure. Yeah, he, he could be someone that goes from starter that didn't quite stick to high leverage reliever pretty fast. So... He's someone I'd keep an eye on if they do end up trading any relievers out of that Tigers bullpen. Let's go to Oakland. We've talked about this team a few times. It's not necessarily having more than like bench pieces. I mean, you could make a trade for Tony Kemp. Add Tony Kemp to your bench. Trevor May could go, in which case I do think it might be Lucas Erceg. Uh, It's a fun story that used to be a third baseman and, and... now just he's telling me that he he didn't do weighted balls he didn't do anything special he just as a third baseman he always wanted to throw it through the first uh, first baseman's chest and uh somehow that that intensity has has led to you know throwing super hard off the mound (laughs) that has worked yeah he's always had that big arm so uh it'd be fun to see him make it as a closer eventually and i think the walk rate we've seen is understandable given how much of his professional career was spent at third base and how much has been spent so far uh, on the mound. But I actually think the more interesting players for the A's are some of the guys they've already called up. You know, Tyler Soderstrom and Zach Geloff are already up. Uh, Lawrence Butler looks pretty good. The knock on Lawrence Butler entering this season was that he strikes out too much. He's cut his K rate considerably. He's up at AAA now. Maybe he gets a look at some point down the stretch, but it's not really about someone being traded to make room. It's more just about the A's thinking he's better than player x currently getting playing time yeah and you know i think the 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 players that are the 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 veteran players that are somewhat near sort of dfa territory or trade or i don't know or just reduce role are obviously jace peterson tony kemp and ramon loriano ramon loriano is already this was seeing his role reduced a little bit uh before he he was injured um, and he didn't even enter the lineup as a starter the the day that he came back. So, um, you know, I, I, he's really interesting because he projects well still, but I, I almost don't believe the projections anymore. It, there's something that has been a steady decline since, uh, you know, if you just look at his numbers, it's been a steady kind of almost three-year decline for him. And I, I I know that some part of it is motivation because there it is hard. Trevor May has even admitted to me that it is hard. There is anxiety around the Oakland situation for veterans. It's hard to you know roll around with the whole coffee joke. You know, like he's he's having a hard time being motivated in Oakland. Maybe you can make a real small bet on him, and, and there is team control left. But maybe the A's say, well, there's team control left. You need to pay more. So uh, I think Loreano is a, a really fascinating case that I couldn't put on any one team because I couldn't figure out what his price is. I couldn't figure out how good he is. It's a little bit like the Tim Anderson thing. Like, you know, Tim Anderson would be is a really rare case because 
like when was the last time that someone who'd been that good recently but was that bad in season had been traded you know it's like you get you have to have another gm agree that like oh yeah he's gonna bounce back i'm gonna pay this price that's why the cardinals just announced that they're probably not going to trade tyler o'neill because you know they don't want to sell low and selling on Romo Loriano right now would be selling low. So, I, I, like, I just don't know what happens with those three guys. Loriano, Kemp, and Peterson. I mean, Peterson and Kemp, I could see DFA, but Kemp is, like, a really nice guy that has been around for a while, and he's probably one of the few people that's, um, that's uh, you know, keeping the, the, the clubhouse, like, conversational at all he's one of the few veterans that like talks to everybody um and jace peterson has some uh value if you can move him around i don't know do you see do you see something what would you do with those three players well you're gonna lose Kemp at the end of the year as a free agent anyway so maybe you trade him and since you already have diaz and peterson under contract think, for 2024 but i'm not sure there's a desire for him i guess with Kemp, i'd be like i'd be like you can have him for basically free like give me a a reliever prospect you know who yeah. doesn't even look like like just give me anything i'm just trying to give kemp something better to do for the next couple months would they be willing to move any of their starters at this point we saw fujinami get traded out of the bullpen already in that small trade with the orioles but are there any of the older starters the guys in their late 20s that other teams might come calling for i mean jp sears has pitched pretty well Paul Blackburn is one of those guys. He's a few years away I don't from think, free agency. I think Sears, they have entire control left. So I don't they think They have a long the window on him. Blackburn's at least. Blackburn's the one that. Started to get is, a little more expensive next year. And we saw him do it with Cole Irvin. So I think he'd be the guy that I'd say is most likely to get traded of those starters. Yeah, but he's very much like Cole Irvin. And you see that the Baltimore has already you know, converted Cole Irvin to like long relief. So uh, it's not uh, 100% that Blackburn is you know, a starter and if you just want depth, pitching depth, um, and optionable, controllable pitching, no options. Yeah. Out of options, probably like your your new swing man for a lot of contending teams, or your five until someone gets healthy and then he's your extra starter. Um, in Paul Blackburn's defense, a career best twenty two point two percent K rate yeah, this year. Nice the K to rate see that. is up a little bit, yeah. But the results uh, have not matched that so far. Big step back with the ratios so far. As far as the other AL teams go, I think the general assumption is that all five teams in the East are buyers. The Twins are buyers, and the rest of the AL West outside of the A's probably all trending toward buyers, unless the Angels decide. We're trading Otani. We're trading some other guys as away as well. The Otani deadline speculation has been just over the top, understandably so. He's an amazing player. I don't think we'll ever see a player that good and potentially that impactful get moved again if we even see it at all this year. But is there anybody else looking up and down the AL that you think could be a big winner as a result of moves you're expecting some of those other teams to make? Well, I, I was looking. Uh, Jim Bowden has like a sort of a cheat sheet on the Athletic about uh, uh, guys that could that could move, and that was uh, the sort of uh, the pathway into this discussion. And um, I don't know that I, I. I think a lot of these names that you know, or quote unquote, could move, won't move. <laughs> um, and so, like somebody like Teoscar Hernandez, you know, impending free agent on a Mariners team, I suppose. 
Like, what do you, do you think Teoscar Hernandez could get moved? Yes, I guess their 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 guy moves everybody, and yeah, I also think it's not it's not waving the white flag completely if you trade Teoscar Hernandez and play Taylor Trammell the final two months. Is that really giving up on the season, or is that just acquiring a little bit of future value for a player that you were going to lose anyway? Yeah, the the thing that's so tough about Seattle right now is that they've they've massaged this starting staff, this bullpen into really top of the line parts of the team and, and just, you know, when you compare their staff to other staffs, they're one of the best staffs in the big leagues. And what they need is help in the lineup. But you're not going to trade Tasker Hernandez for an offensive piece that's going to fit into your lineup this year or next year. No, but you can do the thing where you trade Tasker Hernandez to someone else who sees him as a buy low, and then you go out and get your own buy low that you like better because you've already seen you've already seen Hernandez for four months. So you go ahead and take a flyer on someone else instead. That's the kind of stuff because Jerry Depoto is one of those GMs who's willing to make three moves to get one trade essentially done. That's why you can't really rule it out. Yeah, and I think uh, you know, with Brian Wu's uh, innings uh, running out, um, you know, and somewhat limited arsenal, even though I think, you know, he's throwing two sliders. It's like two sliders and two fastballs. It's it's an interesting arsenal. It's not the widest arsenal. Um, you know, there's an outside chance that he tries to buy a bat with Brian Wu and buy a replacement arm with Teoscar Hernandez. Yeah, because you're going to get more selling a bat for an arm um, unless you sell someone like Brian Wu, who has all of his years of control left and you sell somebody on this massive upside that he's got. And, you know, you deal from strength in terms of, you know, pitching strength and you try to get your you try to buy and sell that way. That is 100 percent a possibility in Seattle. I don't know what that opens up for anybody. Maybe Taylor Trammell. um I don't know. Darren McCahan is like a kind of a just a, a guy that would could, could come up and you know pitch two or three innings for them as a as a fifth starter maybe. But I don't I don't know. I guess Prelander Baroa, uh, you know, could be somebody that uh, they could try in sort of a bulk five uh, fifth starter type uh, situation. But you know, he's already kind of moving to the pen and has poor command. So I don't I don't know that I have. Uh, my finger on a name here unless Emerson Hancock if they're willing to trade a prospect that's not far away from the big leagues I think that opens up a few interesting possibilities I think they've become in their system with with the promotions and graduations they've had they've become a little more position player heavy as uh, I think Welsh and I were talking about yesterday I forget if that was on air before we started recording so Maybe they're reluctant to deal some of their depth right now, but that would be something that would actually move the needle for other clubs, given the constant need for more pitching up and down the league. I think the Rays, because they could be pretty active, as they often are, they're always a group where I'm looking at the the position players who can't break through. Jonathan Aranda. You know, you look at Jonathan Aranda and Vidal Brujan, and you say, okay, how long are they going to wait on those guys? And then they've got someone like Curtis Mead, who I know has dealt with a wrist injury this year. 
they can't keep all of those guys. So maybe one of those guys is on the move. And with an opportunity to play every day, they become players that if you stash them in the weekend leading into the deadline, you could get a pretty significant payoff coming out of it. Yeah, I'm trying to also uh, find the Willie Adamas. The guy that they just don't have room for anymore. Hmm. Also, entering more expensive arb years so like other teams think of like free agency as a big marker but i think that the the rays think of arbitration as a big marker too well it's a sweet spot in terms of a player's value because the teams trading for those players are still excited they still have a cost-controlled player who's likely more valuable than what you have to pay them and for the rays it's kind of like well we're saving money and we're getting extra value back in the trades because we're getting guys who haven't even reached arbitration yet in a lot of those trades. So they see it as I kind mean, of a, a perfect, like, hey, we, we've got lots of willing buyers in these players because we're not holding them until the very last year before free agency. Right. And, and the name that sort of pops for me is Randy Orozarena. Uh I'm not saying that they're going to trade him. I'm just saying that, did you think that they were going to trade Willie Adamas before they traded Willie Adamas? You know what I mean? Yeah, I wondered if Wander was just going to play third base with Willie playing short or if Willie would move. Yeah, that, just that, make it I never, that I, like, I was surprised by that. And I think, you know, Randy next year is an ARB two. He's coming off of four million. So I think by next year, he's maybe going to double that, eight million. Then he's going to be ARB three. He's going to be like, maybe he's like, you're talking about 12, 15 million by that year, right? So that's, you know, he's becoming more expensive. And he also has like he would never have more, you know, uh, more trade value than, you know, the next couple of years. But I just also struggle to see that a team, you know, near the top of the league in wins would would trade Randy Rosarena. So I don't think it's really obvious. The other guys that are going to become more expensive are just more fungible, like Harold Ramirez. I don't you know, I don't think that he has they have much uh, trade value there. Uh, Jason Adam they need you know like so there's too much uh, just needing the guys they have ASAP Paredes is still pre-arbitration next year so like this that's too early to trade somebody like him so I don't uh, I don't see it I, I you know I've I've heard some stuff about Josh Lowe but I don't see it either he's pre-arb like they're gonna they love those pre-arb guys they keep those guys for sure so I don't know uh, exactly what's going to happen. Maybe, yeah, if they don't see a, a place for Aranda, then they just uh, they use Aranda. Is Aranda for Lance Lynn too much? Probably. Um, I think there's an option on Lance Lynn that could that could make you could make that trade fair if it's if it's not even up might not be fair, but uh, you can balance that out. Lance Lynn with Joe Kelly, who has an option for next year, or with uh, Reynaldo Lopez, who they... No, you you're know, talking, maybe they yeah. Can, One reliever yeah. plus... Yeah, that's that's the way to do it. Yeah, I mean, we already have Lance Lynn to the Rays as a rumor today, so... I don't think that really hurts anybody in the Rays rotation because they were kind of feeling it out in the back, back two spots anyway. Yeah, I think you could look at that as a pretty smart trade for the White Sox second base. Not really a position most teams build around long term anyway. They don't have anyone who's clearly the second baseman of the future. Aranda could just play a ton there. And if they're not doing the full teardown especially, they get a guy that plugs in right away and makes their projection for next year a little bit better in the process. I like that as a possible fit. Might be a fun, uh, Ronda might be a fun pickup in certain leagues as just a, a possibility he plays more right after the deadline full time for somebody. Yeah, he's pretty high on my, my list of, of players to speculate on for keeper and dynasty purposes if he's still even available. I think more shallow leagues are the leagues where you're going to find him on the wire at this point. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. Let's go over to the National League where, you know, working from the bottom, let's start in Colorado. That's that's the true the true bottom is in Colorado. 40 and 61 entering play here on Wednesday of the Rockies. I know they get a few in your piece and get Blackman and Gritchick both on the move. Possibly other CJ Crone, I think, could also go somewhere. They actually have a handful of guys that with more stable playing time could inch their way into some more shallow fantasy league relevance, right? I mean, knowing Nolan Jones won't get jerked around with playing time, having a sta- more stable floor for Brenton Doyle, that's a good thing for our purposes. I don't know if there's anyone who would net a massive windfall of playing time other than maybe Michael Tolia. Like if you see two to three Rockies position players on the move, he's probably that guy that gets the biggest lift in playing time. I'd like to throw Brenton Doyle out as a guy. Um, I just, uh, I, I put Grichuk on the Yankees and I put, uh, Blackman on the Braves. Um, I think those two guys are super easy to trade. Um, you know, expiring deals that, you know, righty lefty outfielders, you know, that could fill in a, a fourth outfield sort of DH ish, uh, role off the bench. And if those guys go and Profar is an expiring deal too. So honestly, there are three outfielders there that could leave town. Brian is hurt. I mean, that outfield right now is just an open land of opportunity. Tolia might play there some. He has played there some. Um, and Nolan Jones obviously is uh, playing his way, I think, into regular time there. Uh, but Brenton Doyle is somebody that doesn't project all that well, especially if you're looking too hard at WRC+. Plus. Uh, his high watermark for WRC+, Plus projection is 80 but that has something to do with the adjustment to Rocky uh, to the the Rocky Stadium and and to you know to Coors Field and 
and what the WR, what WRC Plus is doing. If you just look at raw, what he would do for you projection-wise, the bats has 249 batting average with five homers and five steals, 150 plate play, play appearances. That might be low uh, if he's playing every day, and I think they might just hand him the center fielder glove and and say, you, you've you got the rest of the season to, to play your way into a future. Um, I don't know what his future is as a 25-year-old with a 35% strikeout rate, uh, but in the very short-term present, if you need some steals with a little modicum of power, and especially are in a league where maybe you can change your lineup Monday through Friday and Friday through Sunday, or it's a daily lineup, and you can take advantage of someone who plays in cores, like Brenton Doyle, man, think about it. Yeah, I, I like the tools. I mean, I think you see it when you look at the scouting grades. And, and for a guy that played his college ball in D2, I think I'm willing to give him a little extra time, and the Rockies can afford to do that just to see if if seeing more advanced competition over a longer window actually helps him whittle away at that K rate. The questions have been about the hit tool, but could be an above average defender and center, runs really well, has that raw power. A player like that in Colorado without someone pushing him for plate appearances is very interesting. Tolia has been playing a little bit more anyway because CJ Crone is dealing with a back injury right now. But if we assume that Crone gets moved, the numbers we saw at AAA this year from Tolia were pretty good. Is basically a low 30s home run pace. He could steal a handful of bases. Maybe, 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 maybe not be a total liability in batting average. The park certainly helps in that regard. So I think he's one of those guys that I might start to pick up this weekend in deeper leagues, like 15 teams in deeper, because I think there could be a little bit of a, a stabilization of his playing time. As far as the bullpen goes, I think Al and I talked about it on Friday. I just I don't fish in that pond. I don't look for <laughs> closers in Colorado. I mean, they're aside from being a last place team, the blowups that happen at Coors can just be so bad for the ratios. Um, they could move you know, Justin Lawrence. They could move anybody out of that bullpen. There could be interest in a handful of their relievers, but I don't really see anybody that I like enough to want to go ahead and change my usual approach to their bullpen. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not down. Are you looking at the Padres as uh, clear sellers? Nope. They're no, kind of just. Uh, they're so pot committed based on the moves they've yeah, been making. They're stuck. This, the word for them is stuck, so I th- I see them as buying small something small. Yeah, but uh, buying small makes a lot of sense here. I mean, if they if they want to upgrade at DH, they could do that. That would be a good idea. Shouldn't be hard to upgrade at DH. That's the type of player profile that costs you almost nothing. You don't have to give up top end talent to upgrade there. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know whether I, I know where that is obvious, but like they they've been running through left-handed out the DH types, um, and they haven't found you know they haven't found their guy, um, and you know, uh, you know on, on Jim Bounds' piece for you know DHs, it says Joey Manessas, but he's under team control for a long time. He's old and he the power's gone. Andrew McCutcheon, who's right-handed. Shohei Otani, uh, and then Brent Rooker, who uh, I I could see the A's trading, but he also has a lot of team control left. So, and then if you look in the corner outfield bin for possible, uh, you know, DHs, lefty DHs, uh, I, I just don't I don't see the 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 mix. Seth Brown, one ninety six with you know with team control left. Like I I don't know. It's not super obvious to me what they're going to do. Preston Tucker is back on the big league roster. He's on the IL. Do you notice that? The Padres have Preston Tucker. 
He hasn't played in the big league since 2018. He was playing really well at AAA to begin this season. 52 games there. Years old. A little old, but went to Korea. And I think he has uh, he had an opt out coming up in his deal, so they added him to the roster and put him on the IL with a foot injury. But <laughs> stranger things have happened. I call fishy business. <laughs> yeah, uh, interesting timing there. But uh, plantar fasciitis, they say. So that's the that's the report. That's what we're going with. Uh, so the, the the only good thing is that probably uh, the player like is 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 in on it. <laughs> well, you're getting a major league salary. You're going to the yeah, 650k, exactly. right? So. Yeah, and he had a 150 WRC plus in the minors, so I, maybe it's possible that he, that he actually has an injury. It's more if they don't get someone to replace Matt Carpenter, Preston Tucker might be that guy once he's healthy again. And, so, and guess what the corresponding move will be? It'll be an injury to Matt Carpenter. It'll be an injury to Matt Carpenter or the DFA. It could be. It could be yeah, the DFA or the dreaded DFA. That's true. But I brought the Padres up because I. I some people think Blake Snell is on the move. I think if they're just going to keep playing it out, they want to keep him because he's pitching so well. And with that, you don't have that glaring hole in the rotation that you know a Jackson Wolf type has to come up and fill. So I think that's that's not really a spot where you're going to find a lot of change. Uh, Pirates working from the bottom of the NL Central. Anybody that you could see post deadline getting a big boost in playing time. I, I wondered if David Bednar would be on the move. And I think when it was discussed last week, Moretta versus Holderman was the debate. And looking more at the usage, it looks like Holderman might be the first guy up. Yep. He's got the holds. Uh, it's got good stuff. Plus they're using them that way. I think Dory Moretta, you know, is exciting and fun and it's lovely to talk about his uh, weird changeup. Uh, I'm going to call it a changeup. Uh, I know he calls it a slider, but if you call it a changeup, it's much more conventional. Um, and so, uh, I, I just look at the usage. I mean, the one thing that's been super important in all the research I've seen, Derek Hardy, you know, has written 25 pieces on this. And the one thing that he found that was most predictive when it comes to changing closer roles was usage, who was used in the eighth. And so that's why I have holds as, you know, one of the number one things that I look at, you know, when I'm looking at closers. I do like to look at stuff and velo and, and strikeout rate. Those we found a little whiff of predictive quality there, but it still really matters who's being used. And Holderman's being used in the eighth. He's the eighth inning guy. He's going to be the ninth inning guy if Bednar goes. I think the bullpen is the most interesting area for the Pirates. If they were to move a starter and they could move Rich Hill potentially to some other team looking for innings, I don't think the long control guys like Oviedo, I don't think he's going anywhere. Keller is possible but unlikely there's not somebody at the ready right now that i would necessarily stash immediately but i think we talked about him earlier in the year jared jones is a really interesting prospect that they have now up at triple a he's not getting quite the same results in his first six appearances there that he was getting at double a but if they open up a spot in the rotation i think there's at least a possibility that jared jones gets a look in pittsburgh before the season is over yeah i mean they're giving quinn priester a look and uh it's not going that well uh and uh i think that the the stuff that we said uh on project prospect and generally was that you know there's some fastball shape concerns um and uh honestly he's not even locating it that well 
So there's still some potential for Quinn Priester. You know, Stuff Plus says his sinker is above average, so maybe he just needs to be a sinker slider guy uh, that figures his way through uh, figures his way through lefties. Uh, but right now the strikeout rate's not good, the whiff rate's not good, uh, the walk rate's not good. Uh, you know, Stuff Plus doesn't tell you that this is all uh, you know this is all going to get better. Um, and, uh, I think that Quinn Priester is a guy who's just going to have to take three or four tries, uh, at the big leagues before maybe he, he gets it going. And Jared Jones is a little bit more, um, uh, conventional, I guess, in terms of he's a big fastball slider guy and it's, it's Velo. He throws a hundred and he throws like a 91 mile an hour slider. So uh, he may hit the ground running more, and he may get a shot soon. Because how long are they going to try Quinn Priester? Rich Hill could be traded. I don't think that... I don't know how much desire there is for Rich Hill around the league. Um, But even with Rich Hill right now, it's Oviedo, Hill, Priester, and Keller. And, you know, Beto and Bullricky. So they're already already kind of looking for a fifth starter right now in the last 14 days. Um, and, uh, so I could see Jared Jones getting to get tried this year. You really start to dream on the potential of this group, right? Cause they had Paul Skeens one, one in the draft Skeens should be pretty quick to the big leagues. Jones isn't that far away. Uh, Anthony Solimedo is not that far away. He's at double a right now, 20 year old lefty. He could be really good. So you take those three guys. That's why I think Keller doesn't go because you still got a couple years of Keller. Right. You got Keller for a few more seasons. And then if one of Oviedo, Beto or Priester is consistent, then there's your, there's your five right there. And that's a pretty, I'll throw Ortiz in that mix where, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, I know that stuff plus favors Ortiz and people see me as, as linked to Ortiz. That's fine. I, I do like Ortiz, but I also scratching my head at why he doesn't get better results. And I would just put it as like Oviedo, Beto, uh, uh, Priester, and and Ortiz. You just want like one of those guys to be a credible major league starter, and then you're starting to build a real rotation. Maybe if you get two, then you're really happy. I think. Yeah, I'm surprised Ortiz isn't getting better results at AAA, especially now that he's back down at that level. I think he's made three turns in July, and he's given up something like 14 earned runs. And it's been like nine and two thirds innings, so a rough go for him. But he could also He's somehow less than the sum of his parts. I think it's probably command. I also think though, like he could be an excuse to wait a little longer on Jared Jones. They could bring Ortiz back up and try and work with him at the big league level again if they wanted to, and give Jones more development time at AAA. It wouldn't be that surprising if they chose to go down that path. Uh, the Cardinals, you mentioned earlier, Tyler O'Neill probably not getting traded at least that's the that's the current current reporting on the situation i still think there's a possibility he goes because outfield's been kind of crowded it just seemed like they had a bit of a falling out between manager and player earlier this year it could be posturing basically he's saying i don't want to sell low so yeah we'll we'll see we'll see if it ends up being just that who do you look at as more likely to be flipped by the cardinals and Within the organization, is there anyone you've been eyeing up to possibly capitalize on that time? Well, I did send Jordan Montgomery away. Um, I forget what team I gave him to, but um, I actually, I think my original analysis was that Montgomery is the guy that I would put a QO on. And so I'm going to keep Montgomery, put a QO on him and hope the QO scares away, uh, you know, uh, you know, free agent competition 
And I go into next year with Michaelis Montgomery on a one-year deal. Uh, Matt's with a, a couple years left. Uh, and Libertor is the six. And I know that I have to go and, and sign a couple starters. That's, that's I think, uh, what I would do if I was the Cardinals. Because Montgomery is a solid enough guy that I would want him around. Um, and Flaherty is the guy that I would be really... I personally would not put a QO on Flaherty. I think the, so the case for is the easier guy to trade. Yeah, the case for not putting the QO on Flaherty is that you've had him and you've had a hard time, you know, with injuries, but also you've had a hard time with him. Like yeah, you haven't been able to make it work with him. He's argued with you, <laughs> right? Like you, you have not agreed on the course of 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 rehab. You've you've yelled at each other. Right. Uh, and and the results aren't that amazing that you need to that you need to put a cue on him. And the, the command has just really, really fallen apart since he's been hurt. Yeah. I mean, the you look at the walk rates, double digit walk rates now going back to last season. Swinging strike rates are lower than they were when he broke into the league. He's just not that same guy. So I don't think you want to keep running it back with Jack Flaherty. So I think he could go. Um, is there any other depth starter that hasn't really had a lot of opportunities for St. Louis that with an opportunity would actually be interesting, maybe as a possible streamer down the stretch. I, I mean, Dakota Hudson's healthy again. I'm not really that oh, excited God. about him. Don't do that to me. D- Dakota Hudson. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure I'll do it somewhere at some point. Cause I'm in, in a couple of leagues, I'm just desperate for innings and whatever, but uh, no, I'm, I, I'm not going to uh, recommend him. Uh, I do think he is the guy that steps in though. Yeah, I don't think we'd see Tink Hence this you know, year because of the inning. Wainwright and... is an interesting streamer sometimes. <laughs> don't do that to me with Dakota Hudson. But Wainwright, <laughs> let me make a case for Adam Wainwright. How, yeah. how are you dodging raindrops and streaming a guy with a 731 ERA and a 192 whip? How are you pulling that off? Because he's still the curveball still there. So, I mean, I wouldn't have used him at Arizona. That start was fine. He didn't get a win, but it was five innings, two earned. I would have used him at Miami. He got smoked there. Wouldn't have used him against Houston, got hit there. Would have used him against the Cubs at home, got hit by them. Might have used him against the Mets. That start was okay. Got a win. Went deep. Ugh, I don't know, man. I don't yeah, I don't see it. Not. Sorry. Yeah. He's <laughs> I just don't see it. The fastball. I, I was hoping that um, in that Arizona game, his velo was up, and it was point one. They trade him? Is it? Oh, they throw, he throws the sinker more than the four seam, and his sinker, uh, 87.7, uh, close to a season high, that's still 87.7. No, I don't think they trade him. No, I don't think anybody wants him. I don't think anyone does either. If you, if you wanted Rich Hill, you might want Adam Wainwright. So if you missed on Rich Hill, maybe you would but make Rich a Hill call. still throws harder. Yeah, that's true. It does, uh, does make a bit of a difference here in this case. Uh, Cubs, a team that seemed to be caught in the middle. We've talked about them as probably a seller. Uh, the assumption is that Cody Bellinger is one of the better outfielders available at the deadline. So they might be really wise to move him. And we were shuffling through their organizational depth chart before the show. I think Nelson Velasquez is the guy at AAA that maybe would get a roster spot and get to play a lot more. There's always been swing and miss. But if you're just playing out the string for the final two months, you at least want to see what a guy who's 24 can do with an extended run of regular playing time, especially when the player is able to make as good of hard contact as Velasquez can. 
Max EVs of 111 uh, barrels of, you know, 14% career barrel rate, 43% career hard to hit, uh, you know, has good slugging numbers. I know he strikes out too much and he's a, a right-hander and, you know, people project him into the short side of a platoon. But, um, yeah, I'd uh, I'd give him a shot. I mean, at 24, there's still still a chance that, um, you know, he takes a step forward and, you know, you give him that, maybe you give him just the rest of the season. You say, yeah, you got two months, man. Like, see what you can do with it. The other position I think that is somewhat up for grabs is third base, uh, partially because Patrick Wisdom kind of needs a platoon buddy, but also because, uh, you know, Patrick Wisdom is 31 years old. And though he is, uh, has been slightly above average by WRC+, plus. Um, it is the type of package that kind of gets old quick where, you know, it's three true outcomes. Uh, it's poor platoon. It's poor defense. Um, it, 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 it's like one of those things where it's like you look at the player and you're like, oh, yeah, that has some value. But then you're like, but I have to caddy him. You know, I have to. It's 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 not one player that I can stick in a, in a spot and be like, OK, he's our third baseman. And yeah, he's going to hit 200, but he's going to hit a bunch of homers and play good defense. And we can just have him be our third baseman. No, it's more like he can be our third baseman against uh, left-handers, <laughs> in which case you're kind of, as an organization, I think, looking for a more full-time solution at third base. Um, not too many teams around the league platoon third base. I mean, yes, you have the Giants and some other teams, but I could see just plugging Christopher Morell in there if you're not plugging him in at center all the time and just seeing, like, maybe, uh, you know, maybe Morell is our third baseman and then uh, Madrigal is our utility guy, but uh, there's some opportunity at third base and center field post-deadline, I think. Yeah, a lot of opportunity potentially in the rotation. Marcus Stroman could be among the best starters moved. The Cubs do fully commit to selling, and Drew Smiley, I guess, could be on the move as well. I think we talked about Ben Brown Oh, earlier in the season, once again more recently. He has not pitched as well at AAA as he did at AA, so a chance is... is possible but not necessarily guaranteed i would imagine we'd see some more hayden wesneski if uh, if if one starter went it seems like he'd be the next guy back up uh, looking at his numbers at triple a 28 to 8 strikeout to walk in his five starts there 135 era even one whip right he would be the guy that if you're looking for a pitcher to stash going into the weekend hayden wesneski makes sense because there's more than one cub starter that could open up a spot by being flipped yeah, and the, the thing that I like about him is uh, just that, you know, he's got pieces. And yes, he's got uh, some flaws in that, like, neither of his fastballs uh, cracks 100 WRC+, plus, but he's got a real great sweeper. And uh, there's so many pitchers who've made one great pitch work, even like a guy like Michael Waka. It's the one great changeup and figuring things out around it, you know? Um, and I think that... You know, it's easier if you're Bobby Miller and you come to the big leagues and you have five pitches that are above average by Stuff Plus and you just got to sort of put them in the right order and you're and you're set. It's harder to become a major league starting pitcher when you have this one elite pitch and you've got these other sort of averageish pitches and you have to put them around them. But I think he can do it. I think there's still a lot there to work with. I think if you're in a 
an auto new league, like a 12-team league or anything deeper and Wesneski's out there pitching so hard to come by, you want to go ahead and take that flyer as soon as you can because the payoff might be a very nice one. I also think Matt Mervis would get another look at some point before the end of the season, depending on what happens on this depth chart. I know they played Bellinger at first base a lot recently, so the Bellinger trade could open a spot for Mervis and they could shuffle and guys around because you mentioned Morell being so versatile defensively. Maybe he's part of the outfield rotation more often and and they're playing someone else like Madrigal at third base. So I could see Matt Mervis getting another run with the Cubs. His season at Iowa has been fine. You know, he's been there for 50 games, 290, 423, 528. There's just there's really nothing left for him to prove against AAA pitching at this point. So he's another guy that I'd keep an eye on here uh, because I think there's a very good chance they want to give him an audition for 2024 over the final 50 games or so. Uh, one team that looks like a clear seller in the NL East it's the Washington Nationals. Jamer Candelario almost certainly goes somewhere else. Could be the best third baseman moved at the deadline. That makes a lot of sense. Unfortunately for the Nationals, unless the replacement comes back as part of the trade, you're looking at Carter Keboom and Jake Alou as the most likely players to step into that void. And neither has uh, acquitted themselves this year at AAA. No. Uh, and they're a little old, so you're, you're not really that excited about what they're going to bring to the table, even though you know, playing time helps in Vargas really did. deep leagues. Demato Vargas is 32 years old, you know. Uh, I don't think he's part of the future. Nope. I don't think so either. And uh, I used the word kid there liberally. <laughs> Um, I, I did notice something that was, was strange. It's if you are a team looking for a defensive center fielder and uh, there are some contenders that could use that, um, the problem is generally defensive center fielders and shortstops are young. Um, and so I was looking for center field options. There's Cody Bellinger. And then there's almost nobody else. Everybody else is on a contender. Uh, and then I looked at expiring deals next year. Nothing there. Expiring deals in 2026. Uh, there was one name that was eligible. And um, that was Victor Robles. Now, don't do this I don't to me. know that teams value defense first center fielders that have iffy defense. <laughs> Defensive first center fielders that have iffy defense. <laughs> Are you hearing I mean, yourself? I don't. I mean, am I characterizing it wrong? I don't know. Um, I, I just, um, yeah, I just wanted to mention that buying a center fielder is real tough. I don't think, I think Lane Thomas is probably really the center fielder there. And uh, I, that's the reason I don't think Lane Thomas is going anywhere. So. Corey Dickerson can go somewhere. That gives more time for Alex Call. Uh, maybe another shot uh, for Stone Garrett. Uh, but Stone Garrett is himself 27 years old. Um, I don't know. I think, yeah, Stone Garrett could play more uh, post-deadline. Dickerson, DFA or, or trade or, you know, I don't know. Maybe he gets DFA'd and then just signs on with a contender. Uh, but there might be some opportunity on outfield for Alex Call and Stone Garrett post deadline. I just I'm, I'm seething at the the Vic Robles uh, mention. I mean he <laughs> he did lower his K rate and increase his walk rate before a lengthy and is not injury. Not playing at all. Not playing at all. 
he's hurt. I don't think so, man. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, the recurring, like this is the this is like hit now. If Hunter Harvey's available in your league, if he's healthy, again, once he's healthy, I think he's the guy that closes if they move Kyle Finnegan. But Harvey's hurt again. It's an arm injury. Nothing guaranteed. I don't know if you necessarily want to stash him right now. I think you want to watch list him and just be ready if we get some good news, if he's getting close to a return here in the near future. But it was a right elbow strain that put him on the IL just over 10 days ago. So... Um, the luster is is fading a little bit there as well. Uh, anybody else up and down the NL that you think could be a big winner? I mean, the Mets, uh, it, they're probably a seller. You put Tommy Pham and Mark Canna on new teams. So for me, Mark Vientos is kind of an interesting stash right now because I think the Mets could move some guys around. You know, Daniel Vogelback might be gone at the deadline too. Viento should play a lot more in the final two months just to see what he brings to the table and to get a sense of whether he can cut down on some of that swing and miss. Yeah, I think that would be the idea in in New York is uh, you know try to aid Fam and Kenha. Uh, Kenha has has a um, an option, I think, but just you know his place in this roster and uh, you know what this team needs seems like a, an injection of youth uh, somewhere. So um, yeah, I don't think Starling Marte is going to move because I think. Uh, he might already be a millstone, um, but so then you you you're you're penciling in your roster. He's like, well, Nimmo and Marte are here for a while. Lindor and McNeil are here for a while. Beatty seems you know he's going to be here for a while. Uh, we I bet you they sign Alonso to a long term deal. So Vientos in left field seems like uh, an opportunity there. Yeah, this they team. also seems like a team that uh, could trade a lot a lot of their relievers away. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, White Robertson, Sox-esque. They could clear it. They could clear out three or four relievers pretty easily. Yeah, Robertson and Adovino, expiring deals, uh, could be useful to other teams. Uh, Brooks Raley has an option. Um, you know, that might make make him more appealing because uh, they get another year on him. Uh, and uh, I think Drew Smith is, he has one more year left, but he's my guy because he's got holds, he's got stuff. Um, I think they'll keep him around. I th- actually think they'll keep Smith and Rayleigh, and there might be a little bit of a platoon uh, reliever option there. The one nice thing is, as bad as these Mets are, at least they are uh, like a 500-ish team, and so they are going to get some uh, saves opportunities. I did want to mention in Washington that like, I think uh, Kyle Finnegan could easily go. I did talk to an executive that was uh, interested in Kyle Finnegan, um, and with Hunter Harvey hurt, uh, I do think there's an opportunity there. Maybe maybe Mason Thompson is the guy. Um, that's the sort of combination and stuff uh, and and holds. Uh, but um, you know, I would prefer uh, Drew Smith over May- Mason Thompson because that would be a righty on a better team that would ostensibly get more save chances. Yeah, it's just so weird looking up and down this Mets team. And Verlander and Scherzer, they still have years remaining. It's lots of money so that really narrows down the number of teams that would want to trade them there are no trade implications in those cases as well so that gets really complicated and even if i kind of think they don't trade verlander and scherzer because i kind of want them next year rack and be good next year at least they don't want to be bad next year and if you start trading those guys away you're gonna be bad next year because that depth didn't come through i thought their pitching depth was in a much better place 
going into the season. Yeah, it just it didn't work, and I'm stunned. I don't think Carlos Carrasco brings back much. I don't think he opens the door for an interesting starter. The only guy that I've started to become interested in in the upper levels that Mets system from a pitching perspective uh, is Mike Vassell. He is at AAA now. The results haven't been nearly as good there as they were at AA earlier this season, but uh, pretty good swing and miss numbers. 17.1% swing strike rate at AA pre-promotion. K rate just a shade under 30%. And the walk rate was really low as well. That has not been the case so far for him at AAA. So maybe a guy that gets up if they move a couple starters, but no guarantees there. Not someone I'm stashing right now. More of a keeper dynasty league uh, speculative dart at this point. By the model, he's got a an out pitch in the curveball, uh, a cur and then a cutter and four seam ca- combination that he can command pretty well. Um, so I don't think that uh, leaps off the page to me as um, you know potential number one or number two. But um, I do think there's enough there to be a usable starter in the big leagues. Anything else in the NL? We got to the Mets. We got pretty much everything there. I mean, the Marlins still, to me, look more like buyers. So I don't know if there's going to be anything as far as a, a promotion. Uh, we know Yuri Perez is probably coming back at some point anyway. It's not really about trading a starter away to make room. It's more about time and just making sure his workload doesn't get completely used up before they hit the end of the regular season. Any, any other situation you're monitoring on that side? No. Um... I do think that some of the intrigue is, uh, you know, the Reds and Brewers, like how much they buy. um, And, uh, you know, and then on the flip side, the Padres and Mets, how much they sell. um, Because those are uh, teams that are locked into certain philosophies, it seems like. Um, and uh how much will they sort of go counter those philosophies would the padres or mets decide to uh blow it up decide being despite being win now and would the, the brewers and mets decide to uh buy despite you know being cautious buyers in the past so i i, I don't know how to um appraise those uh depth charts necessarily all the way how about this we leave, we leave with a trivia question name the four brewers hitters that have been used in the cleanup spot going back over the past calendar week. <laughs> I know one. We named one yesterday. You got one Sal freebie. Sal Freelich. Sal Freelich is one. He's done it twice. It's never It's never Christian. No. He leads off. He leads off. But he kind of looks back in some ways. Not all the way back, but more back than he was at the beginning of the season. Yeah, he's he's doing all right. Um so South like and then um, uh, Brian Anderson's been hurt. He's been hurt. Rowdy's hurt. Rowdy's hurt. That's part of the problem. W- Willie uh, hits close to the top. Willie hits third, and I'll give you another one. William Contreras. Did Willie hits hit second. fourth once. No, no, it's not a trick question. Yelich, Contreras, and Adames are one, two, three. Okay. Every single so day. It's always who's the. It's also who is the fourth best hitter on the Brewers right now. Yeah. Yes. That's that is the exercise right now, and it's rough. Why dude. is this? It's been you know part of in in my defense it's been in flux. They're they're definitely <laughs> Yo, changing things four around. Four in a week. Four cleanup hitters in a week for a first place team playing against. I don't high even know who's teams. playing first base for them right now. Okay. Yeah. Well, Wisconsin native Owen Miller. 
oh, is getting some run at first base. A, he has he's had a fourth place. He's had a fourth spot. He's right? been in there a little bit. Jesse Winker has still been in there a little bit. He's oh, not on the IL. Goodness. And Andrew Monasterio. Wait, Jesse Winker's going on the IL? Yeah. Oh god. He's hurt again. He's back. Jesse Winker was up in a situation, I think it was on Monday night. He um he came through. It was a ninth inning single that kept the game going. He, I, I thought if he got out in that situation, he was getting DFA'd the next day. I think he's kind of played his way into the roster spot is legitimately in danger going into the trade deadline. Now he's on the IL, so they've got a little more time to see how things Joey play Joey Weimer's got to be the other one. No, nah, no. Nah, Andrew Monasterio is the other one. Andrew Monasterio. Yep. Yeah. Joey Weimer hit fifth once, though, recently. So you're not that far off. Andrew Monasterio. You can't tell me that this team is going to sit there and and not make some upgrades. They can't possibly just cruise the deadline and say, yeah, we're good. We don't have to add any bats. They have to add multiple bats. They can add a bat anywhere. 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 Any position. You know, the my method for my piece was uh, teams that are currently projected um, in the top 10 and wins. Mm-hmm. And the Brewers aren't in it. So I didn't give them, uh, I didn't give them, a, I didn't give them a player. Well. But if I gave them a player, I, you know, Tyler O'Neill, that'd be pretty interesting. And what do the Brewers have? They have pitching. They have some pitching. It would pitching. be in the division though. I think the... The Brewers player that I try to stash is is actually Robert Gosser, because they could either use him outright, he's pitching or really well, him. or they could trade him. So I think we'll, we're going to see him in some form before the end of the season. He's pitched really well at AAA, last ten starts, get the walk rate down. He's over a strikeout per inning. He looks like a near finished product at this point. And when you're I mean, Colin Ray has been surprisingly effective, chewing up innings. Julio Tehran, how long can you continue to rely on those guys? That's the other part of it, too. But the the core group of position players, because of injuries, some attrition, you know, you, you could probably look at this team and say, Luis Arias is going to come back and he's going to be healthy. He'll be fine. He'll be at least like a number six hitter. Okay, I'll buy that. Brian Anderson, passable. Sure. It's a lot of passable. Roddy Telez wasn't good before he went on the IL. So there's a question there. They have to upgrade this group. Then he did the most gruesome injury. Ugh. The Rowdy injury? Yeah. Yeah, he, he, he was just about to come off the IL and then he stuck his hand in the ivy and ripped a nail out of its bed. Oh, I didn't actually see that. Heard about it. That's that's why he went back into, Yikes. Uh, on the IL. Uh, Heimer Candelario or Teoscar Hernandez? Or both, I mean. Maybe. maybe both. I mean, they could use Teoscar being a, a, a righty for that, that mix probably makes some sense. I think I'd rather have Jamer Candelario. Hmm. But they have to do something. All right, I'll wrap it up. That's enough Brewers talk. Long episode, lots of speculation. Hopefully a few targets in there worth stashing, especially in some first-come, first-serve leagues or in those auto-new or deeper formats where you can make some moves. And hopefully a few more coming up this weekend. Uh, Lots to get to on the Friday show. Eno will be with me on that one. You can get a subscription to The Athletic for $2 a month for the first year at theathletic.com slash rates and barrels. You can see the latest trade piece that Eno wrote, all the coverage we have going into the deadline. Plus, we've got Women's World Cup, fantasy football starting up soon. So lots of good stuff. Just $2 a month for the first year Uh, on Twitter or X or whatever it's called now, the stupid social media site that we're all still hanging on to. 
I'm at Derek Van Riper. He's at Eno Saris. We'll probably be on some other sites soon, but once we do that, we'll be sure to pass on the handles accordingly. That's going to do it for this episode of Rates and Barrels. We're back with you on Friday. Thanks for listening. <laughs>